0: I fell asleep on the toilet. And, but then I was immediately o- uh, woken up because my face opened the, the lock back and stall. Uh-huh. And so I hit it so hard that the door was locked and I was able to bust it open with my my face. And then the, the ground uh, the, uh, was tiled. So then I, I hit the, the tile so hard. I mean, I mean, just crack and just blood is just squirting all over the place like a machine gun. And the first thought that goes through my head was, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get DQ'd. They're gonna (laughs) find me again. (laughs) And they're gonna pull me from the race.
1: All right, and huge welcome to the Ultra Running Guys family. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. Uh, we're so excited that you took some time to spend your time with us. <laughs> um, but, dude, we are super stoked about tonight's guest. Uh, he's been with us kind of since the beginning. or pretty close to it. And the dude is unique. He's special. So you talk ultra runners, right? He's going to sound like one at first, and he is, but... 500 mile finishes definitely an ultra runner closing in on a thousand day run streak <laughs> pretty consistent but i think you're going to see when we talk to him he is different than a lot of ultra runners uh that we've kind of interacted with and that uh some people may you know see as the standard picture so with that ray Berlinga, welcome to the show man how are you i'm doing good thank you
0: for having me on
1: dude like i said we are so stoked to have you um if you guys already follow him, you're probably seeing his daily posts. He does all kinds of cool pictures yep. for his updates. It's Ray Ray Runner, and there's a couple of dashes in there. We'll make sure that we post it. Um, but, man, here's the deal. So we've already said, right, 500-mile finishes. In fact, you just had one in April. You've got 144-mile PR, which was done in a 72-hour effort. That's a long way to go. It is a long way to go. <laughs> but you are self-proclaimed slowest person on the course, is what yes. how we've heard you talk about it. And yes. uh, I've also seen you post quite a bit about um, you really don't you don't do big mileage you know, you're, some people may be kind of surprised to see what your training blog looks like. So
0: <laughs> you, you, I'm sure you
2: guys saw that and you're like,
0: what? <laughs> Looking at my Strava, the math doesn't add up.
2: That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. So I put, that's why I, I started following on Strava. I was like, let me go check out what kind of training Ray does. So, so yeah. quick
1: summary for everybody listening. The dude runs big miles in races, mm-hmm. does incredible things. But if you look day to day, you're not going to see, uh, that kind of big mileage training. Um, and dude, you dance in races? So we're going to get all to that, right? Like you just have a, it, yeah. it looks like a totally different perspective. Why don't we start by going back to kind of, how did you get into running in the first place? And, uh, then let's walk through to how you're doing these crazy hundred mile efforts now.
0: Well, running started out for me in high school. I was a wrestler. And so I lo- I just, I love wrestling. And, uh, but wasn't really good at wrestling, but I had a coach that was really just big on endurance. His name was James O'Connor, amazing guy. Uh, and he just thought, hey, if, if we can't win by like a pin, you guys are just going to have more endurance than everyone else. And you're just going to have points. You're just going to wear people out. And I think that ended up just being consistent across the, the team. We would win so many matches just – five points people would just get exhausted well that cross training was running and he would run us all the time we'd make jokes that the only people running farther than us was the cross country team or you know or track those guys and they would just see us running all the time later on well my brother rocky he went on to, to run the first marathon and i was looking at at him hey you know what I have running in my background. You you did a marathon. I can I can do a marathon too. So, so how far
1: uh, how far after like the running and wrestling and all that was was that pretty close after or was it? What's the time frame there?
0: Well, I stopped uh, wrestling in high school, and then uh, running started. I think in two thousand and four. I graduated in 01. so a few right. years later, and went on to do my first la marathon i remember it vividly because it was 04 and it was 104 degrees (laughs) yeah it was so hot i I remember passing some of those uh kenyan elite runners in the eight those guys are the pros and they're falling apart like how am i going to finish it so that that was my first marathon and then moving on to ultras uh i had a buddy that that tried to do a fundraiser that went south uh and he was looking at me he's like you have any ideas i'm like hey let's let's do an ultra i'll organize it and we'll run from your belinda to camp pendleton and uh we'll see you know if people start you know donate donating and it, it took off so and my brother rocky once again was like hey he did a 50. Uh, I think I can do a 50. So we've kind of, my brother and I, we've kind of used running to gauge each other. We're similar in a lot of, a lot of ways. And so not like in a, I guess a healthy, uh, competitive way or encouragement, but he went on to do the Catalina 50. And then he was the first to do a hundred. And I was like, wow, he did a hundred. I can do a hundred. And that's kind (laughs) of like.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, so your first 50 was, what year was that?
0: I don't know, like seven years ago or so, something like that.
2: So you dropped yeah. in the uh, marathon in 04 and then in roughly 2014 did a 50 miler for your first 50 miler?
0: Yeah, yeah. I so do I that. do
1: have
2: a couple of questions. First, did you beat your
1: brother in the marathon?
0: I did. I did <laughs> because I, I think it was – well, the, my problem was going into my first marathon, like prior like pr- prior to being like uh, Matt run and all the tracking stuff, you know that's so accessible these days in Strava uh I went out and did a training run from Newport Beach uh the wedge because a friend's like hey you should run in the sand it'll be good for you some training and then run the dog beach and I was like okay. So I went and ran from uh, there to Dog Beach in Huntington Beach, and uh, I run back, and I'm like, man, this 14-mile run's killing me. I do 19 miles in Anaheim Hills much easier than I do 14 down at the beach. Well, I didn't know prior to to a conversation after the race that the actual 14 miles, it was one way. So I had no idea that running my first marathon that i had already ran several marathons <laughs> going into my first marathon that I was doing 28 mile runs and was wondering why why it's not you know so that, you thought that, they were just
1: really slow 14 mile runs
0: yeah I thought they were really <laughs> slow I had no idea why, why I was falling apart so bad so, so I'm, I'm assuming you don't me. you
2: don't wear a garment during this time
0: no, no, no. That no, was not Garmin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a Garmin still. I just, I just use my phone. I just use Matmaran and Sprava. I usually have both of them running at the same time just in case if one of the apps drops, I get some sort of uh, data uh, in one way or another.
1: So, <laughs> for one, dude, it makes me nostalgic talking about you know the places for everybody listening. Raised Southern California, if you haven't picked up on that already, I was born in Newport Beach, um, and so we actually went to high schools pretty close to each other, which is cool that we found out kind of throughout. Uh, and the similar, if you've been listening to the show, Andy Glaze is also uh, in the same region, but it's actually one of the first times I saw you, man. We had kind of connected over um, you know social media, and then. When Andy Glaze was doing his 60 miler in between the two weeks yeah. we talked, all of a sudden there's Ray running alongside next to him, you know, saying <laughs> hi, which I thought was was super cool. Um, okay, dude, so I'm interested. Let's talk about, because we're, we're going to talk about some of your big kind of ultra efforts. Talk to me about the experience when you finished the marathon. I think it's the first time I finished a marathon, man, I was like, I don't ever want to do that again. I was spent. I think your experience was different.
0: It was. I, I had the runner's high. I was totally like when I was, I was totally captured. I wanted to do as many more marathons as I could. Uh, I had no, al- altars weren't even in my mind. Uh, if I, if I knew about them, maybe it would, it would have been something I would have gravitated towards right away, but, uh, I wasn't aware of those until later on.
1: Well, but, and that, the specific thing that you said is you, you realized that you were not near as tired mm-hmm. as you thought you would be. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, when I did the OC, I think when I did the OC marathon, I, I'd crossed the finish line, and my wife and I were uh, just dating at the time, and I said, hey, what are our friends doing, and she said they're playing soccer, and so I went and played after the OC marathon, I went and played two games of soccer afterwards, and I'm like, that's kind of weird, like, I'm not fast, I don't know if I'll ever be fast, but I'd I definitely should be more tired enough to go run a marathon and go play two games of soccer. I, you know, maybe I need to start looking into longer distances.
1: So for reference, what kind of pacing were you talking about when you say, I'm not fast, you ran the marathon, you were doing a lot of training at that time.
0: I I don't know. I'm doing like probably like six and a half hour marathons. Mm -hmm. My PR on the marathon was, uh, 503, which was the first year that I ran it. And I never, I've never beat that, that time. Uh, I've gotten into fives a few times, but yeah, I've never gone faster than that.
1: Well, and that's what I want people to recognize. Because again, a lot of times you hear somebody runs a hundred miles and they think, oh, they must be training their
2: butt off. They're trying to get as fast as they possibly can. It, I'm sorry, but to me, the, the beauty of of the, what we've learned about you, just the social media, and even just in the kind of the emails beforehand, where we kind of dialogue, is that you don't approach an ultra, you don't approach a marathon like most people do. Instead, you approach it with just the fact that you just want to do it. You just want to yeah. be out there and just enjoy it. It's less about what time you're going to get, how long it's going to take you, how fast you're going to run, how much training you may or may not have done. It's like I just kind of want to go do this, and I'm going to go yeah. enjoy myself.
0: Oh yeah. It's totally like a reunion when I go to the races and I see my friends, especially the last one because of COVID. Like there's many moments like I thought I was going to cry just because I was so excited to see my friends because it had been well over well over a year since I've seen any of them.
2: So yeah. just, just for the sake of our listeners and everything, we kind of danced around this. You've done, like we said, multiple 100-mile runs and 100-mile-plus distances. Um, can you just... Briefly describe what your training approach is for your hundreds.
0: Uh, kind of what it, it depends a lot on work and family. So mm-hmm. the the guy that does run it fast, uh, Joshua Holmes, like early on when I did my first uh, uh, well first attempt at a hundred, Josh told me he's like, don't ever let running sacrifice like you and your family time. And I, I I really took that to, to heart because he he was saying that it can be a very selfish sport. And where you're, you're really excluding yourself from a lot of, a lot of things. He's like, so just, you know, uh, just really focus on your family. So I I do that. And so if we have birthday parties or whatever it is, then that if I need to get the run in, I have to get up earlier, you know? And then if I'm too tired because of work and I didn't get up early enough, then that's what it is, you know, and not to, not to beat yourself up about it. You just move on. Like I guess I only had an hour and a half of free time or an hour of free time,
1: right? Dude, I love it. Um, And you're coming up on a thousand day streak. Let's talk really quick about how that started and then how that plays into your training now, because I've also heard you kind of give some of your philosophies about what that does for you um, and kind of the daily routine. And then how does that play into like when you're getting ready for you know the blue event
0: actually it was uh at beyond beyond limits ultra one night where it was during a 72 hour race so it's a two mile loop in 72 hours person with the most mileage wins and so i have no idea what mile we were on but my friend Aud and i we were talking and she had done a run streak and she was just talking about how uh it was it was been really beneficial to her as far as in training. Uh, that she just felt like she was uh, always ready and I was like oh that's that's cool so if I need to run farther I just run farther and but it's easier to to go farther in your training because you're already running anyways Mm -hmm. so it doesn't doesn't really it's not a hard transition where I'd have to uh how to mo- motivate myself to get, to get moving and start getting the mileage. And because I hadn't ran ran for like a whole month or two or whatever it was. So that, that was the thing that was a big, uh, big appeal on um, for me. Did that answer that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think one of the, and so one, I'll give you props, man. I made it like 60 days or something. And then I broke my streak, you know, I tried to give it a go. Oh, no. but, <laughs> what,
0: wait, 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 what happened?
1: That's a good how question. Did, I, I, to be honest, did you sleep year, in? no, nah, man, I went to, uh, we went on vacation. I was in universal Studios. So we got up real early to go to the parks. And then it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this anymore. This is really what happened. I was nah.
0: like, <laughs> I've gotten close. I've had those 11 o'clock hours. I've yeah. had them. Yeah.
1: And, and I know, uh, you know, we talked to Chris Bartoli and he had to do it too, running at 11, trying not to get struck by lightning. So I'm sure you've got some, some crazy stories over a thousand days. Um, it's a a long long time it is a long time Uh, yeah but I've I've seen you post pretty like eloquently about what the consistency does for you and and
0: yes so talk to us
1: about that piece you've said hey a lot of people would be surprised by how little I train for what I do but that the the consistency of the run streak really plays a role
0: it's huge like once uh, when you start having consistency in your life and that for me was the run streak I started noticing in all avenues of life that I could uh, have consistency with, and uh, uh, diets that didn't last. I would they, all of a sudden now the diet could could last. I was able to just start applying that same uh, discipline to it, and use it, it really gave yourself gave myself encouragement, like to be able to to stay consistent and uh, and just various avenues uh, of of life, like I. I when I needed to cut weight prior to a race which I I do pretty often because I I have a sweet tooth I really like I I really like donuts guys I've I've seen that I'm like like so passionate about donuts like I mean I have friends message me pictures of all the various donut shops I mean I mean I love food a whole lot (laughs) yeah I think a lot of people will relate with that yeah, I have, like, even one of, like, my hashtags that I put often is, like, chubby runner, and um, I have no shame in that, like, I, I, I just see something sweet, and it, it looks good, but when it's, when I'm getting close to race day, I definitely have that discipline, they're like, okay, it's not forever, it's just right now, and this is what I need, because I want to have the, the goal, I'm not able to get the mileage in, but uh, I can control what uh, I put in my mouth, and so that's kind of like where my philosophy is, I can't throw everything out the window and be like, okay, now here's the donuts and 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 little running on top of that, you know. So it's definitely, yeah.
2: Yeah, for the perspective, of everybody listening, then um, we've kind of danced on the topic. When you say just a little bit of running, what is your what is your weekly volume look like going into a hundred miler?
0: Well, I think a regular week lately, just because I've been sore still from blue. It's like seven or nine miles. (laughs) It's all good. And
2: and, I mean, even going before blue, how much different was it?
0: Uh, I I think I was doing okay, but it wasn't like crazy. It was like 25, 30 miles like before blue. I think that's what it was. And for me, that was actually really good. Finding the schedule and my time or I would do all these like one mile runs and then I'd do like a 15 mile run or something like that before blue. But, but wow. I'll,
2: I'll be honest, the reason I keep kind of tweaking and harping on that is because I think that's what's so impressive about you. And what makes your story just personally incredible for me is that you, you've got low volume that you do, and yet you, you, you're you like a paradox. You've you've accomplished these 100-mile races. And there are a lot of people like, I can't do that. I don't have time to do the training. I can't do 60, 70-mile training weeks. I'm like, you need to talk to Donut Ray because he can do it. And if he can do it, we <laughs> yeah. can all do it. And that's what yeah. I really like about, you know, like following you and keeping up with your story and even your streak I think there's a lot to be said about the discipline that you put in your life to be able to identify things that you can do that have made you successful in completing 100 mile races which is no joke and I don't care what the training volume is it's a huge accomplishment
0: thank you uh it, every every little bit of, uh, of things I can implement like in a race to give me uh I would say if I if I wear the right shoes, that's going to give me an extra you know an extra mile. If I wear mm-hmm. the right socks, that's going to give me an extra mile. If I, you know, if uh, if I'm eating right, that's going to give me an extra mile. And I'm it, I I'm serious. Like if you wear the right underwear, that's going to give you a few miles. Like it helps you. Just, it. Well, if you I would <laughs> say you wear the wrong underwear and your miles will end pretty quick. <laughs> Since uh, speed isn't on my side and uh, I just know I have the endurance, so I really need to be really conscious of of the little things that I do to help give me, like, improvement, really taking care of, like, my feet, taking care of my feet during the race, like, I'm really big on, like, uh, foot goo, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever used that brand, I love it, but I swear by it, I put that on my feet, uh, blue, I haven't had I don't think I've had blisters like in three years or something ridiculous. I can't even remember when's the last time I actually had a blister on my foot. Like It's, it's called and,
2: foot goo? I'm, foot goo.
0: Yeah, foot goo. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you. Yeah, yeah
2: I'll send that. it. So, so yeah. then let's switch gears because I wanna hear some stories about blue because it's one of your most popular races. you've done multiple <laughs> times and stuff. But like, so, so if you could just kind of walk us through, I guess your first ultra was um, Beyond Limits Ultra. Also known as blue, we yes. used a few times in, the, in this. Um, I think you signed up for the first one was what a hundred miler that you did. It?
0: Yeah, the first one was a hundred miler, and, and, and so I got what to, happened. I got to mile 95, 96, and then I DNF'd. Yikes, <laughs> I, got, I, I got, I uh, got hypothermia. Uh, I was just <laughs> falling apart. I was like throwing up. The race director came over. Uh, my brother was was with me, and he was he was there at the same mileage I was. We were we were sticking together the whole time, and I told him, "Hey, run on, you know, you could finish the race." And he's like, "No, I started this with you. Wherever we're at, then I'll finish." So where he easily could have ran on, you know, my brother stuck by my side. So that was really that was really hard because <laughs> to, to see him not not get a, another hundred under his belt, but. The race director Ken told me uh, at the last blue that he's only had to pull people out two or three times uh, of any of his races, and he does multiple races, and they were all for medical issues, and I was one of them. Yeah. That I was, <laughs> so uh, another another PR, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. one laughs> <I> mean- <laughs> One of three people to get pulled for medical issues. He's like, "Oh, you're you're so bad." Uh, and we actually brought like a firefighter that was there, EMT, to to look at me, and they they said, "Hey, you <laughs> you need to uh, you should stop."
1: Now, so how really what, what were you like mentally though? Were you prepared to continue? Did you have your mind make up that you were going, or were you like, "Yeah, I think I'm about to be done."
0: I. I I think I had to be talked out of it because I think I was, I would have pushed myself. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would have probably hurt myself, but I would have pushed myself. And it was them like, just trying to be, you know, uh, truthful to me, like where my body temperature was like how much I was throwing up, uh, just doing the math, like how slow I was going, that I didn't have enough to finish the race. Like I wasn't moving fast enough. And then that's when, uh, I was then I was pretty sad. I would have cried, but I was probably so dehydrated. I didn't have any more uh, room left for tears. You know, there's nothing left in me to come out for tears. So but that gave me fuel. That gave me fuel to move on to the EC100, which I did finish. So that was my next. uh, And that wasn't very long later. I don't know if that was like six or eight months later or something like that. Uh, but i finished that one by the skin of my teeth and ultra signups sometimes they're off by like a few minutes like the actual it was it, it says like two minutes like yep. that i had this spare, but it was like 40 seconds <laughs> I, it was <laughs> it, i i wish it. i wish it had it more exactly like that because i mean to show like man i was Uh, it was hard because everything, uh, the Garmin, uh, Garmin had died. Uh, my phone had died. There was no way, uh, for me to track what mileage I was on. I was caloric deficit. I, uh, I think I had blisters. Uh, I was cramping like crazy, like everything, everything was going wrong. And I think it was, uh, like I had like a, a second wind at mile eighty something, and uh, I sat down to have a cup of noodles, and I started doing the math. Like, hey, like if you don't start moving, you're not gonna you're not gonna cross that finish line. And I knew uh, I began a, a slow a slow run, and uh, eventually I got down to. Uh, the boardwalk down in Santa Monica and I couldn't even uh I couldn't even run there it was so crowded and it was so late in the day because I'm going so slow uh I had friends started running and ahead of me and saying make make way 100 mile runner coming through and I I was able to to cut through the crowds and uh, make make my way I started having my friends that were on bikes next to me hey google Maps to the pier because that's where the finish line is and then we started figuring out doing the math backwards on how much time I had and how fast I needed to go I'm like I probably have one more push left in me to really to really go out and I, I think I was doing like like a seven minute like pace which is like gnarly for me especially <laughs> I mean that's like crazy fast for me to go, do a seven minute pace uh but yeah cross that finish line with with less than 40 seconds left on the clock.
2: To, to me, it, it is absolutely insane. Um, it's one of the things that I find very impressive about you. We were in a race um, back in October of last year that had torrential rains um, and it was the Halloween Hobbles, 100 mile race. <clears throat> and I think we were at, the, I was at 50 mile mark around that spot. And I started doing the math because the miles were now because of the, just the mud was so bad. We were around 25 to 30 minute miles. And I thought, there's no way at mile 50, if this is my pace, that I'm gonna eventually make the cutoffs just doing the math, knowing that, that you'll get slower as you go forward, right? And so my brain was assuming that it would just get worse and worse beyond 30 minutes to 45 minutes of a, a you know, mile, which is in, like, just not possible, right? And so, I, I mean, I end up pulling the plug that early because the mental math said, there's just no way. And to, so when you say that you were hurting, you had blisters, you're eating a thing of soup at mile 85 or 87, and you're looking at the math, you're in so much pain at that point. To me, it is incredible that you got up and started moving forward um, and, and to push forward in that thing. It takes a lot um, to do that, to really do that.
1: Well, yeah, and for reference, so we're talking, it was a 32-hour cutoff. Mm-hmm. So when we look at ultra sign-up, yeah, you're right. It says 31 hours and 58 minutes. Um,
2: <laughs> Either way, even if it's 40 seconds yeah, or even if, minutes, it's, it's, it doesn't it's matter. As a word.
1: But, but I guess the point is I'm sure there's pain, is a long long day 32 hours yeah and for you to make the push i mean anybody running to me if you're running under 10 minute pace 90 something miles in like it's a push for just about anybody unless they're elite you know what i mean mm-hmm. right um so if you were doing seven minutes the the mental fortitude to be able to just have the faith that you were going to cross that finish line i think says a lot about you mm-hmm. because a lot of us are wired to to do the opposite right to go I don't know that I can do that and you start trying to tuck yourself out versus like oh I guess to make it I just need to you know do xyz
2: which it sounds like you do mm-hmm. yeah which is fascinating to me so what what from that experience like the, I mean it's, it's success like a huge success to be able to get at that last bit and push that hard what did you learn about yourself or learn about, um, just to do next time, either personally about yourself or something, you know, just when it comes to doing ultras?
0: Um, I think my ability to, to push even when there's nothing left. And so that's kind of been something that I keep on falling back on. Mm -hmm. So my track record is that I'm always barely, barely barely finishing, but I, I don't want to throw in that the towel too early because I, I don't know how it's going to play out. Like, uh, if there's no time left on the clock, then, and then I'm done. I guess I'm done, but like I should keep on pushing as long as there's, there's time on the clock and because you don't, you don't know what could happen. I think, that, I think
2: it's incredible. I, um, I think for me, you saying, what, I mean, what you said, um, that take home point of don't throw the towel in too early um, because you don't know what could happen, I think is a good message. I think for anybody that hits that pain cave um, when we start doing mental math, whatever it is, we don't necessarily need to, do, need to do the math. We can't help ourselves to do it. But like you said, there's still time on the clock. So why don't you just keep going?
0: Right.
1: Yeah, it's almost the opposite. of We've had a lot of conversations mm-hmm. of, instead of the brain saying, it's only going to be like this or worse. Right. You're kind of flipping that and right. going, who knows what could happen, you know? And, and if you think about how many <laughs> DNFs may not have been
2: DNFs, because you go that wrong route in your brain. If the I philosophy
1: had, if everybody was able to adopt that philosophy, mm-hmm. dude, I think it's it's awesome. And so, talking about some of the mental toughness, let's transition to the next story, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. So, you get pulled at 95 miles at your first hundred attempt, and you go, do you see 100 and you succeed. So then you're like, okay, I want to go back and get it at Beyond Limits at, at Blue, right? Yes. So yeah. You, you get there, you're racing and something happens that changes your day, I want to hear that story.
0: Yes. So with me completing the EC100, I was like, yes, this is what I needed. I have 100 miles. Now I'm going back to blue for revenge. And I'm going to get I'm going to sign up for the 72 hour race. And I'm going to get some miles and some, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, bury bury that that hundred mile into the ground so uh and it's it's they have several races going on at the same time 72 48 24 100 50k there's something for everyone uh but i wanted that 72 i wanted uh to go for it. so it was day one of the 72 um i'm not uh it was pretty late it was pretty late at night and uh i i go to use a restroom and I'd been pushing hard throughout the day. I definitely started out a little too fast. There, there, it was actually at one point, I was actually almost, I looked down and I, I did the math. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm about to PR my half marathon time. <laughs> I need to. I need to slow, I need to slow down. I'm going way too fast. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I got 70
1: I, more hours
0: here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going way too fast. And then uh, I slowed down some, still not enough. I was still going like too fast. As a night got late, I went to go use a restroom and the restrooms like Blue is awesome. It's this campsite. It's a kids-like camp throughout the the school year. They come from school, from uh, underprivileged areas, and they're able to have this sweet cat log cabin, bunkhouse. Well, when we have the race, we're we're in those, and I was in one of these nice ones that, you know, had bathrooms and stalls. I go into one of these stalls to to use uh the restroom which is which is nice uh, in the, like in in a race they use a real restroom you know yeah. and when it's cold it's heated i mean it's <laughs> fa- fa- fantastic well uh definitely i was probably in a caloric deficit uh i sat down to use a restroom and uh that was kind of the, the last thing i i kind of remembered uh <laughs> i i fell asleep on the toilet and, but then I was immediately uh, woken up because my face opened the, the lock back and stall, And uh-huh. so I hit it so hard that the door was locked and I was able to bust it open with my, my face. And then the, the, ground, uh, the, uh, was tiled. So then I, I hit the, the tile so hard. I mean, I mean just crack and just blood is just squirting all over the place, oh. like a machine gun. It was just, fantastic all all over me all over the floor and the first thought that goes through my head was oh my gosh i'm gonna get dq'd they're gonna (laughs) find me again (laughs) they're gonna pull me from the race so i uh got my pants up uh stuffed my nose with toilet paper Uh, i was on my hands and knees uh you know, I mean, late at night. It's probably one o'clock in the morning, something ridiculous, maybe two o'clock in the morning. But I was on my hands and knees, cleaning the the floor, <laughs> cleaning up everything, getting the the wads of of paper, stuffing it to the bottom of the trash can because I wanted to make sure no one saw the bloody mess. So I carefully hid all the evidence, and my thought process was like. I need to get some miles under my belt because people are eventually, they're going to, they're going to find, they're going to find me and they're going to see me and I'm going to be so jacked up, but at least, at least um, I'll have some miles under my belt. And then they'll say, Hey, he's been running for a while. He's obviously okay. So that, that that was that they they did I mean eventually like when morning came and light was out they're like oh oh my gosh you know cuz my nose was fully broken uh uh you know you can't you can't hide that you know your eyes your eyes start looking uh you know when you break a nose your eyes start getting all black and blue or whatever underneath them. And they're like, what happened? And I'm like, oh. I fell asleep on the toilet. The doctor, the doctors didn't even believe it when I went to, after the race and I went to emergency, they're, they're like, no, wait, you got to call this doctor over. He's got, tell, tell him the story, tell him what you did. So I started telling all these nurses and doctors as they're standing around my bed at the hospital about what happened. And they're like, well, what we think is when you uh, decided to use the restroom that the blood contracted and switched uh, directions, that, that's what made you lightheaded. So if you haven't had to push, you would have probably not passed out. <laughs> I'm like, cool.
1: <laughs> uh, dude, there's so many things about that story that I love, right? But yeah. Um...
2: I just want to see him come out of the bathroom. Oh
1: and no! And tissue Gosh, do you have pictures that you can send us of any of that, or no?
0: Uh, I think I have a few. I'll send you. I'll send you one of those. I'll we'll we'll for... take
1: the ones post toilet. You know the uh, yeah post the toilet pants up yeah yeah that'll be all good yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, there's a okay so a couple things jump out to me one how many people do you think if you broke your nose in the middle of a race that'd be I, you'd be like oh I broke my nose like bad day. That, that's it, especially day one of a 72 hour event, right? So it wasn't
0: even 24 hours. That was so fun.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, we, so we already know you were trying to push at 95, well past probably when you should have been. So, that gives me some insight into your mental. too you break your nose within 24 hours of a 72 hour event. Your first thought is, oh my gosh, I have to cover this up so they don't pull me from the race, right? And yes. then I also want people to know. So you finished that race with 136 miles.
0: Yeah, that
1: was 136. Yeah. So, you know, we we touched on it a little bit, um, but dude, the, the the mental toughness. I'm so curious as to where it comes from. And I know you said some of the motivators, right, mm-hmm. of things that have kind of kept you going. What goes through your head? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something else to, You know we mentioned before, as far as not training that much, I do want to say though, you have, it sounds like you have a very demanding job. I would imagine yeah. you're on, you're on your feet yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. and I don't know if, if that plays into it as much, but mental toughness, man, what do you think is, how did your brain get wired to go? Oh my gosh, my nose is broken. I need to cover it up so I can go run another, another 48 hours compared to what most people think.
0: I I think like my grandpa, my grandpa was like a Navy vet and uh, just stories that I'd hear from my dad and my uncle, just like how tough he was. There was a story that my grandpa, uh, they're on base uh, and he chopped off his fingers from a lawnmower uh, and like his fingers were just hanging there. And uh, my grandpa starts yelling at my my dad to go get a plastic bag and uh ice uh, to pick up his fingers uh to put them in the bag so they can take him to the with him to the hospital and told my dad to stop crying <laughs> 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 so, so uh he he they were able to get him some uh some young uh, uh navy guy was driving by and my uncle flagged him down, they got him in the hospital, uh, drove him to the hospital, and they were able to get his uh, hand, uh, his fingers sewed back onto his hand in enough time that they were able to to save it. But his fingers were, were way shorter <laughs> 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 the, on that hand than they were on the other. But he was, yeah, he was a tough, tough guy, so. Uh, my dad having uh we were low on money so he had to have some major uh dental uh surgery done to his teeth and uh so that we would have enough money for whether it be Christmas or the holidays you know birthdays I I don't know what what it was all I know is that money was tight my dad did it without like anesthesia oh my god all that stuff so uh (laughs) yes that is
1: mind-blowing to me
0: uh, my my brother Rocky, he got, uh, he was playing baseball and he wasn't the last person in line and he got uh, popped in the, the face from a poor sport. He just w- went to, as as baseball players do at the end of the game, how you cross the two lines, cross and you give each other high fives, good game, good game. And my brother had no idea, didn't see it coming. And just a poor sport from the other team. Sucker punched my brother so hard that as I was, uh, falling out like that he had to hold his eye in the uh, in place uh, as he drove him to the to the hospital uh, so there's there's just a lot of a lot of guys in my family that just that just keep on pushing
1: yeah first off if you're if you're listening and you're squeamish we apologize <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry.
1: Sorry. no man but but too clearly it's a it's a culture that you kind of grew up in Um, or have been
2: around I mean I I agree it's a culture but there's 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 a little bit of nuance to it it's the idea that when things go bad you still figure out a a way to push through anyhow it's so some people who will DNF and and a lot of people will have the same argument that when things go bad in a race so let's do the 136 the the blue where you busted your nose on, on the toilet right Yes, You said it was first 24 hours um, with, with what your pace generally is. You're probably not maybe halfway to 136. You may be at mile 65, 70 at nighttime when you're going mm-hmm. to the bathroom. Yeah, probably. Right. And yeah. so you, it doesn't like, don't, we can't lose sight of the fact that you're going to already be in some element of discomfort from having moved for 50 to 70 miles. And I don't know what the number is, but you break your nose. And when people are already in pain for some other ungodly reason, because they're doing an ultra. When they have a reason or an excuse that say nobody will look bad about me or judge me for this, I have a viable reason to drop. Like you decide not to drop. And to me, that's the nuance here. It's it's a little bit different because you you don't you don't allow that excuse that others would accept for you to be an excuse that you would accept for yourself.
1: There's a level of discipline there mm-hmm. that has obviously been practiced, it's been picked up, whatever it is that you are wired to look at a solution versus an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: there, there always is a solution, always. I, I mean, I think that the, the, when you said earlier, the majority of people, when they DNF, it, it saddens me, especially like at Blue, and I, I had a friend DNF, she was trying to go for a, a hundred. So she signed up for the 72 because her thought process is that she'll have enough time she dnf and had like 36 hours ago mm-hmm. and i'm like what are you doing you have enough time to take like a, a huge nap you can go and shower because they have showers there you can eat food but no they threw in the towel and went home i'm like okay. there's just there's just so much more time left on the on the clock there if my stomach's going south oh okay time to start eating pickles you know uh what what do i have to do what am i not doing you know what can i do different there there has to be something you know you just keep on you just you 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 always there's always a plan b you know always
1: i think that's such a good takeaway Mm -hmm. and it's very inspiring for for everybody listening because i think that that's it right it's the turning the how could this happen into okay what do I need to do, or how can I fix this? Um, and and it creates a completely different thought process because how can this happen turns into the downward spiral of, well, that means this this and this, and we by the time we we even figured it out, we've talked ourselves into there's no possible way. Mm-hmm. And you're doing the exact opposite. Well, I know there's a way. I just gotta find it. I, so That's very cool. Yeah, so let me ask what would your I mean, you probably just said it but what would your words be to somebody who may be thinking, I don't think that I could ever do a hundred or I don't know that I could ever run ultras. I don't have the time or I don't have the, you know, that kind of endurance, something like that. Because again, man, I look at your stuff and you are in the middle of a 48 hour race, literally dancing out on the course, which looks so fun. Right. Um, yeah. But it is not the, Walmsley picture that people think ultra running, it's somebody pushing hard for hundred miles and suffering, dude, you're having a party. So what, what are your words to somebody who thinks they may not be able to do it?
0: Oh man, yeah, you, you gotta try. I mean, mentally it's like equivalent to how many years of therapy, you know, that would you do it, And you accomplish something that seems so impossible, it is just so rewarding. Because every race is going to have challenges, even, even if it's something that I prepared for. It's a different race. It's a different year. The weather's different. There's, there's always going to be something that's uh, um, going to present itself as a new, as a new obstacle. And, and when you're able to overcome those obstacles and still finish, it, that is just, that, that's really rewarding. And that's what me personally, like my goal is no matter how busy things get, at least you have to do at least 100 a year. Cause it's, you know, just so, uh, just to remind you myself and, and, uh, to push myself and just so I can get those years worth of therapy in, uh, at one time, you know, so yeah,
2: uh, I, I'm going to ask a question. I just, for some reason came to my mind. I was thinking about you dancing in it and thinking about other, other races that I've seen through social media. And even that I've, I've participated in like the Yeti 100, where, um, there's mm-hmm. certain people in those races that, that have a very similar personality and stuff. Um, and, and I know you just talked about, you know, pushing yourself and everything, but I guess when you think about running the next hundred that you're going to train for, let's say next year's, um, beyond what was called beyond limits. Right. When you, when you think about that, do you think of it as a challenge or as fun? As fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. you absolutely and, and, and yeah. so
2: I, I actually kind of before i asked the question i figured that was going to be the answer and if you would said challenge i was going to say i think you're lying because because <laughs> i think what we and i thought about it because when you started asking the question about you said about wams and everything is that when i think about my own ultras that i that i start training for there's going to come a point that i start thinking of the neck of like i'm doing hennepin 100 in this fall hopefully and so i'm going to get to a point when i start looking at the aid stations and how long i've got between this aid station to the next what am i going to carry from here to here Nowhere in my brain do I think, what am I going to do between this aid station and that next aid station to dance or to have fun? And I think yeah. that makes a tweak to the conversation that at some point when we're planning and over planning these ultras, we, we set ourselves up to fail a lot of times because we don't pursue it from an element of fun that we say, Regardless of what happens, there's gonna. I'm, I'm not. I'm not wombsling. I'm not going to win the stupid thing, and so I'm not going to pretend to try, even though my mindset likes to pursue that challenge. What if I figure out how I'm going to have fun between this aid station to the next?
0: Oh yeah. You, if, if you're able to start figuring out how to have fun, then that's gonna. You're gonna have so many miles go mm-hmm. by that you're 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 gonna be so beyond like the pain threshold because you're just enjoying yourself. So typically my my modified camel pack hydration pack that I have, I have a speaker attached to it, like a boom box. And so I'll be blasting my tune. So I'm kind of like a DJ out there on the course. And you're and that I'll, guy. <laughs> yeah. And so and then I'll be playing like a uh, sweet Caroline, like super loud, you know, uh, and I'm way off key. And I'm just screaming it because. Sometimes that's what someone needs to hear is someone loud and off key, because then they start laughing. Yeah, so that that's definitely, that's a strategy. Uh, before the race, how to get everybody in the mood and lightened up, I put on a dinosaur costume and I was running around in the morning uh, with that. I don't know if you guys saw pictures of that. I, was, I did. Those di- the giant inflatable Then uh, di- I would have wore it for the first lap, which is, you know, for the first two miles. But I started fogging up, messing around in the morning so much, like I had to put my hands on like my friend because I couldn't see <laughs> where I was where I was going. So I'm like, OK, so this it, it might not work out for me to uh, do a lap in uh, in the dinosaur uh, costume. So that was awesome.
1: I'm going it, to it's a big takeaway for me. And it is um, I'm going to try to incorporate because my assumption is that you are taking from an experience standpoint you are taking so much more away from your races than many of us do yeah I agree. in fact my wife even even say because i've always been kind of the happy-go-lucky runner you know and i usually come in smiling and she's like you know the last couple races you weren't really that guy as much and i think it's when you start to put pressure or think what are my limits and how can i make these things happen you start putting expectations um i'm gonna try to take a lesson man and just go you know sure i would love to do certain things Mm -hmm. but if i miss out on the experience of it then i miss out altogether whether or not i i meet my expectations you know so
2: yeah i think your threshold for allowance of failure becomes less the more expectations you put on i don't think you allow yourself to to have the ups and the downs as much you you believe that that cycling is a bad thing because it doesn't go against that vision you've had for every level mile and what your pace should be and stuff, because it becomes so in- intrinsic in your brain. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think yeah. it's a really good point. Um, I, I love I to,
0: of- as, as you guys could tell, I love to talk and I love to talk to people. So I'm not afraid to uh, in the middle of the race to slow down and start talking to friends and encourage them, maybe help them get their mind uh, refocused. During a race though, so- it's so awesome to be able to make those connections with friends. I I, I've told some people that you don't spend 72 hours with a person and know them a little, you get to, I mean, they become like deep friends. I don't know how many friends you can say that you've cumulatively talked to 72 hours, 48 hours, 24 hours. Like how many years worth of friendship is that equivalent to within one race? Because when you're with someone so long, you just keep on moving on to the next conversation, you know, and you just keep on moving on. Before you know it, it's like, man, you know, some people like oh, their whole life story in, in one race. And so, I mean, it I, I really look at some of my friends like as really deep friends and I only see them at, at races. But it's because, because we've just spent so many hours talking, talking to each other. So. I, I, lo- I think that's one of my favorite parts, you know, is getting to talk to, with everyone.
2: That's because beyond limits is a two-mile loop. So you see each other. Yeah. The so if you do those point to point um ultras where you you won't be with this you will be with the same person, but you won't be with as many different people. It's another bonus yeah. to that.
0: Yeah, it is we'll a bonus be. to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: And then you, we have one really super nice aid station that's really <laughs> hard. That's really hard to beat because when it's stationary, we go all out. When it, you know the uh, just mm-hmm. everything your heart desires you know that that you know can be in there yeah from pizza and hamburgers and whatever, whatever you want and, and donuts yeah, donuts oh yeah i ate last, the last race guys i ate more than i ever have at any of my other races i was like i th- i don't know if it was just because i've been strict so with my diet so much prior to the race but like uh, man i i all, all, gloves are off. I, I knew I needed to get calories in. I, they had someone brought like little sleeves of the, the white hostess donuts. And I, I, would ask them, they were dividing them up. I'm like, can I have the whole sleeve? And so, <laughs> yeah, so I ate the whole sleeve of donuts. And then I came back around and I did that like three times. I had a full sleeve of donuts. And then I think I ate like 20 Reese's peanut butter cups. I ate probably equivalent to a full, a full pizza. I, uh, I had, I mean, I did, you know, like 12 liters of water, but I had like three liters of cold brew coffee. Like that was really Uh, awesome. Like that's a lot of dance fuel. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just, I ate and ate. I I, I think a lot of people don't eat enough. And I think if you can start practicing like on eating actually food like, uh, during your practice runs, maybe like on a short one, a like three mile run around from home, uh, you know, and do like a decent pace and you can just see like, Hey, this is how this sits in my stomach. I, for me, that was pancakes was like my first big one because pa- pancakes, I was like, okay, uh, it doesn't bother me. And then it was like, can I do pancakes and syrup? And I was like, yeah, pancakes and syrup, because that's more calories. Right. And I was like, that's good. I did pancake syrup and butter. Cause that's even more. That didn't work out, so no butter. So I learned. So, but so I was good with pancakes and the syrup and but no butter. So, uh, but yeah, if you could start getting like good food in you, then you can start upping the the amount of calories you can get get in you. I love it. Life
1: lessons from Ray. That, I'm, that yeah. clip is making it somewhere for sure. <laughs> Life lessons from Ray.
2: Um, that is fantastic.
1: All right, man. So I know we're getting short on time. What's next for you? Do you know? Do you have anything else on the calendar or, or are you eyeing something or waiting until oh, the next blue?
0: No, no. Uh, oh, I'm always going to do blue, but there's, I definitely kind of want to make make up for 2020 since I didn't get a chance to do 100 last year so I want to do another this year um there's like the treadmill challenge which is like 100 miles on the treadmill so I kind of want to do that and then I was also thinking about uh the the EC100 they, they changed the name it's called saddle the surf now and they have 100 mile it's a, they, they changed the course a little bit uh, too but i would like to try to do the the 100 mile around that um from uh norco to santa monica hmm. see if i could uh pull that one off it, it's definitely it's a harder course now because it does have a, a few more huge hills
1: that's awesome man we are really looking forward to uh, following along and like i said i already dig so much your daily posts um oh and one thing we didn't mention if you go look at the posts you're gonna see uh, remind me of the dogs' names, man. It's
0: oh, Tapatio and Cholula. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love hot sauce. <laughs> you know, so it's like they were perfect. They're Chihuahuas, and so Tapatio and Cholula, uh, brother and sister. I got them at the same time. I'm like, man, those are that's a perfect name for two Chihuahuas, Tapatio and Cholula.
1: And Tapatio so, runs with you almost every day, right? And yeah, he, gets, he does.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cholula's uh, like a teenager, uh, just. <laughs> she's she uh gets sometimes on the couch and she just stares at me i hold the leash in my hand and she just ignores me <laughs> so so it it is like a special day if she actually shows up and you know she's ready to to go i'm like okay we're, we're going you don't know how long we're gonna go you know and they'll go with me uh tapatio is so fast he's a like the one of the fastest dogs in the area because we did the turkey trot uh over here which is this uh, 5k uh run and all these uh german hair pointers like uh, andy's dogs i don't know if you've seen his so yeah. they showed up and i'm looking at these dogs and i'm telling Tapatillo. Hey buddy, that's your competition over there. Those are like, those are like the Ferraris, you know, and I'm here with my little like Honda Civic, <laughs> you know, and there they are. I mean, gosh, those dogs, I mean, they're just cool looking dogs to look at. And, uh, and the, the, the race started and we started to run in and he was just determined. He did not want to let, uh, anyone pass him, uh, started raining cats and dogs. Well, Cats of dogs, huh? <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it was raining really hard, like sheets, sheets of rain. And uh just held his pace and kept on pushing. We had five minutes on the second um, dog to cross the finish line. Okay. No I mean, we, yeah, we smoked those German short hair pointers. My dog is <laughs> seven pounds, and those dogs are like 60 pound dogs. My dog worked, yeah.
2: <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Did you uh-huh. have anything else? I did not i enjoyed
1: it though i learned a lot all right yeah man uh so we're looking forward to following you Tapatillo, cholula um if we did our math right i think you're going to hit your thousand days on may 29th um i don't know if yeah. you look forward to that but everybody that's listening go check out ray 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 runner um like i said ray berlinga you can look him up on instagram anywhere else they should follow you or is that the biggest...
0: Uh, Instagram, if you message me on Facebook, you a friend request me on Facebook too. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, and dude, we'll be looking for, for those other runs. Like I said, we, dude, we appreciate... One, we appreciate you because you've been kind of connecting with us, supporting us, giving us feedback since the beginning. Um, and it's hugely appreciated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are exactly what we're all about. So, so thank you for that. And because of that, you know, you know, we're all about just show up. I don't think there's more just show up he than breaking of your nose <laughs> <laughs> in a 72 hour race and and, and doing what you do. So um, keep it up, man. Like Jeff said, I think we learned a lot. Hopefully if you're listening, you got so much from Ray and dude, we just want to thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. I loved it. This was
1: fun. Yeah, man. And we now- want to thank you again and we will be talking soon
0: and cut. Cut. You, should, you guys should have me crew you, so I just stick with you. Right, and then well, I'll have well, the music.
1: Probably. We should start an East Coast chapter, and we'll call it like, run it almost as fast, or like run Easy it not, a little bit slower than run it fast.
0: Yeah, he doesn't put on a shirt, man. That's his problem. And I, I even, we were both doing the same race at Blue, and I'm like, hey, hey, buddy, you know, be proactive, man. <laughs> <laughs> you pronounce your last name. I would say Berlinga, is that right? You got it. Most right. people don't get it. My dad, my dad's a Texan, and so it's a Spanish last name. And uh, but uh, half my family's all redneck, so it's broke. We're Berlinga. Everybody
2: that we talk to a lot is in California, though. I know it's because that's where the cool people come from. Come from, but they're there, and you're not. Yeah. I'm in the 13-year-old's bedroom. <laughs> is it your daughter or your son? What, what oh, is, two girls. I have, girls. Uh,
0: two girls. Oh, your 13-year-old daughter is going to crush you. It's a fun age. They're so yeah. smart and I'm so dumb. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I had somebody
2: complain the other day that we did not in mm-hmm. the whole video. They were very confused. It was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that'll be the one.
2: And I said, it's just oh, because yeah. you want to see me. She goes, yeah. well, I like Jeremy too. <laughs>
0: Right. Thank you were awesome, man. Oh, uh, thanks guys. You're awesome. I enjoyed myself.